Hello everybody, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or even extreme metal. Coming up on this week's show, a studio update from Marilyn Manson and up until about 20 minutes ago, that was it. Uh, I was meant to record this yesterday and in the 24 hour period, a lot of things happened. So we've also got some updates from Slipknot and Metallica. Uh, new music has been announced this week, coming from the likes of Baroness Nervous and Jamie Lenman. We talk about all of that. And then album reviews for this week. Uh, the new stuff is Boney Macaroni. Legit. And Swimmers. And the open mic for this album is the iconic... The bloody iconic... That's a niche reference. My Chemical Romance album, The Black Parade. Uh, during the process of researching the album, it is coming up to 13 years old and... Gosh darn, do I feel like an old fogey, even though I'm in my 20s. Anyway, yes. As ever, we'll start with the news. And Marilyn Manson has reportedly finished up work on his latest album. This comes from a post on Instagram from the man himself. Um, heading to see... They're there. I'll try it again. He was heading to see Shooter Jennings to finish off the recording of the album. Uh, oh, I have a post. Jennings worked with Duff McKagan earlier in the year for his song Tenderness, that, like soft southern rock jam that i talked about a couple weeks ago having previously worked with uh brandy carlisle hellbound glory jesse coulter and billy ray cyrus it's uh it's an interesting producer so shooter jennings is the son of waylon jennings he has he's a fuck off phone why is everything happening now he is a solo artist in his own right but he's turned to producing as of the last couple years probably longer actually and yeah just a weird one he wouldn't necessarily like manson does jump into a lot of very different styles of music but to work with a country musician country producer it's going to be a little different so we'll have to see what is all up and popping when it comes out and like i was saying that was literally going to be the other bit of news it's all found interesting it's happened past seven days but like the last 24 hours has been somewhat different um chris fenn we'll start there he has left slipknot after i think i read it's just over 20 years or so um he has accused Corey taylor and sean crayon of essentially withholding payments and like storing it's kind of confusing so he says they're stealing from him and then his the lawsuit he's filing against them is withholding payments and basically he's suggesting that they have made side companies and businesses that music that money from the band is being fed into obviously withholding chris and the rest of the band um as i touched on there he has filed legal action against the pair and it's confirmed on sunday that he has left um statement from the website says slipknot's focus is on making album number six and our upcoming shows around the world our best ever Chris knows why he's no longer part of Slipknot. We are disappointed that he chose to point fingers and manufacture claims rather than doing what was necessary to continue to be part of Slipknot. We would have preferred he had no, we would have preferred not to I'll try it for the third time. We wouldn't we would have preferred he not take the path that he has. Fucking hell. But evolution in all things is a necessary part of life. Long live the knot. And there's been no news regarding a replacement for Chris. I don't know if they'll even I was going to say, I don't know if they even bother. That sounds really mean on Chris's part. But 
initially, oh, I got what their names. I can see his last name, but basically the guys who took over from Paul and Joey, they were just touring musicians for the longest time. And then they brought Donnie Steele in for touring as well. Donnie Steele has like made comments as well online, taking Chris aside and basically saying how no one in Slipknot knows how to write a song. And they were a bit nefarious of money when he was there to cover Paul Gray's passing. So it's a nasty affair. It's an ugly affair, especially when like legalities are thrown into it. But we'll have to see what pops out of that. And the other bit of news, one much more happier, so much more exciting. Metallica have announced that they are going to be doing a second S&M show. It is in celebration of the 20th anniversary of the first show, obviously back in 1999. And the band will reunite with the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra for the grand opening of San Francisco's new Chase Center Arena. I am so fucking hyped over this. I absolutely adored the SNL album. Even the really shit stuff like Minus Human, I'll fucking jam that all day long. I... I've always wanted a second S&M show, but I never thought they would do it. I am so intrigued about everything. It, details are so sparse at the moment, but I don't know if they're going to just do the same set list with a few like, newer songs in there, completely change it up, have a symphonic version of The Unforgiven, at least one of them. I am just fucking so hyped, and I'm so unhappy. That it's a one-time only show. Well, it's a one-night only show in San Francisco, which is not where I'm near. And oh my lord, it's going to be just, it's going to be a good time. It's just going to be the goodest of times. And on the subject of Metallica, Roger here, their bassist, has also come out and said that the Titans have begun jamming new material and we won't have to wait as long for album number 11, which I'm also pretty stoked for. So that is the end of the news, even with like the breaking news, sort of Sky News, yellow ribbon down the bottom. Uh, new albums have been announced for this week. There's been a lot of... There's been quite a few big ones, actually. We'll start with Baroness. They have a new album out... Well, new album coming out called Golden Grey. Um, it's coming out the 14th of June, and it has by far one of the most gorgeous artworks of all time. John Basie, their lead singer and their lead artist, is a... F oh! Mwah, kiss the fingers in Italian. That good. They've already got a new song out to go along with the announcement. It's called Borderlines. And it's a spacey, proggy, sludgy affair. And it's fucking beautiful. It's a really, really good song. And it's going to be their first album with their new guitarist, Gina Gleason, who, from memory, has previously worked in a King Diamond and Metallica tribute act. And it's also appeared on stage with Smashing Pumpkins. So, I dig it. Now you dig it. Nervous have announced a live album. Well, they've announced and released it all in the space of 24 hours. It's called Live at Broadfields. And it was recorded at Broadfields. And it celebrates the one-year anniversary of Everything Dies, the album that came out last year. And it's like six or seven songs long. And they sound exactly like they should do. Well, like exactly how they do in studio, which is exactly what you want from a live album. And yeah, it was just a, should we release an album? Should we release it now? Oh, we've gone and done it. So, you know, that's nervous. And last album to talk about is Jamie Lenman. He's got a new album coming out called Shuffle. It's coming out the 5th of July, and it's a covers album. 
Uh, it's got lots of a variety of songs. It's got some well-known ones, got some really low-key ones, and some other weird ones. So it's got covers of Beatles, Foe, Elvis Presley, and the lead single is a cover of Popeye. The show, the TV show, he's done a very uber hardcore, like muscle memory style hardcore cover of the Popeye the Sailor Man theme song. And it's fucking bonkers. And I encourage everyone, even if you're not a fan of Jamie Lemon, which, what the fuck. But I encourage anyone to go and find it because it's legit, well, mental. Yeah, kids, stuff, what? On to album reviews. We're going to start with a small release from a small band in a small country. I think there's more. Bony Macaroni is a self-titled EP. It is their debut EP. Uh, they are from the Netherlands. And they are full proper emo-like. Um, I keep hearing weird noises outside. Oh, there's a man. He can do what he likes. Um, Bony Macaroni went to, definitely went to the Foss Other People school of having really negative emotional lyrics with the most uplifting sounding music to go along with it. The first, the opening three songs of the EP, but it's only like five songs long. There's a huge amount of energy in the songs. They're so musically upbeat and cheerful. Um, but like I said, lyrically, it's just all sad. It's just all emo as shit. Strange that. Their early career, if it hasn't done so already will be built around the first song on the EP called Piece of Shit. It is a wonderfully, whimsically cynical song about trying to break into the music industry. And it even references... I like the fact they referenced... Um, there was a video that came out a few years ago of a lead singer in a tent catching a beer midair, take, taking a swig, launching it, and then carrying on singing. I ended up finding that band. It's a band called John Coffey, and they reference it in this song basically saying how even with like the viral thing that came with this this event and everyone went in to see what john coffee was they still split up anyways and so now he's trying to do like they're trying to get into that industry and it's delivered with such a bounce and such a fake sense of optimism that you do believe they can do it but also when you listen to what they're saying you're like ah oh, you you sure are you really sure though um, on Doom, the gang vocals in like the, um, no other way to describe but the do 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 part, because science. Um, on the chorus, it gives it such a huge poppy feel that could easily contradict like the the scale of their sound they're going for really early on. Could um, really contradict the message in piece of shit that they're not gonna do it or they might not do it, because little tidbits like that and little vocal hooks like that are what people fucking live for and adore um the energy gets brought down a bit for strange feeling which is more much more of a slow burn kind of song and it's really interesting because you can hear like the hostility in his voice building and building and building as the song progresses and it's such a it's such a turn against the previous songs so whereas um piece of shit france and doom were all quite like like i said musically upbeat quite light-hearted this more goes into like a sonic frustration and you can hear him like really try and like tear into it towards the end of the song where it fully explodes 
and then it ends on this calm, really chilled acoustic ballad called Boney the Philosopher. And I kind of took it as a, it feels like an after party song where everyone's having the last few drinks, everyone's a little bit sleepy and they're just having those like really weird deep talks about literally nothing at all or everything in the universe at the same time. And yeah, you just got one, that one guy in the corner who's just like going through the motions of the guitar and just, yeah, really, really calming down the mood. And I think like this EP is a fucking great starting block for what I I think are quite a very young band. I've tried to do my research and they're all quite, I want to say it's quite scarce on social media. It's just, they're just a small band. That's it. Um, I know I didn't talk too much about France. I kind of went in on Piece of Shit Doom and then just sort of like went back onto slower songs. France is still, it's a fucking great song. I think the potential here, I've can't, in my notes here, I've got potential here is the early level of promise, excuse me, that I think this has and this could, this band could potentially achieve is up there, excuse me, I'm dying again. It is up there with like the creeper and the while she sleeps level of, like when what, creeper first started releasing those EPs, I got into them at the. The Callous Heart EP when it had um, Honeymoon. Like the buzz around the band then and then the follow-up EP, um, the Stranger EP, and then what never became Eternity in Your Arms. But that just... I can't think of the word. That upward trajectory of just like, it's getting good, it's getting great, it's getting fucking awestruck. Same whilst he sleeps, I remember getting... The North Stands for Nothing, free with a copy of Metal Hammer. And everyone was going nuts for it. And then This Is this is The Six came out. And again, everyone went fucking spanners over it. I think... I haven't seen too many people talk about Boney Macaroni. But I do feel like as soon as someone like... One of the big heads get wind of this. It could be that like real big pop for them. And they, the attention on their debut album will be sizable we'll say sizable i know i'm looking forward to it if if anything does happen if it's just a one done thing i'll be very very fucked off if i'm honest um the comparisons for this if you want to give bony macaroni bony macaroni a go i've kind of compared them to spanish love songs the way they have like particularly in like strange feelings it's kind of like emotion he's got in his voice that builds up um the more soft side of things more like uplifting side of things i've got the get up kids and there's a part in the song, I can't remember which one it was now, I think it might have been Doom, I think it might have been France, one of them, the opening sounded like a pure love song, so I'm going to throw them in there as well, so yeah, if you liked, well if you like Spanish love songs, get up kids, and if you enjoy pure love like I did back in the day, rip, definitely think you should give them out, give them a go, Boney Macaroni is the name, it is a self-titled EP, it's only five tracks long, it's like 18-20 minutes long, Give it a solid old bash because it's fucking great. Moving on to Swimmers. It is somehow their fourth and second album. It's called Berkeley's on Fire. They are from Oakland, California, and they play a indie, surfy, pop-punk kind of sound. I say it's their fourth and second album at the same time because they... I've gone through many name changes, most notably as Emily's Army, which is a reference to a... I believe a childhood friend of theirs. 
Uh, they released two albums under that moniker and then released True North. No, it's not True North. Drive North. Uh, released Drive North are Swimmers, spelled S-M-W-R-S. And this is the second album. And they, they're a band I've accidentally stayed away from for uh, quite a while. I'm going to take a sip of tea whilst that sinks in. I, my second ever gig, because I'm quite late to the gigging thing. I saw them with Pennywise supporting Rise Against in, I think it was Nottingham? Nottingham, Sheffield, I got confused. Um, and I thought they were great. And what really hit home for me was the fact that this was the drummer is the son of Billy Joe. And like little tidbits of music like that, I'm always like well in for. And on their own, they were, as soon as I got past the part where, hey, they don't sound like Green Day at all. As soon as I got that, like, really short vision in my head out and took them for what they were, they were a really, really fun, like I said, lighthearted, surfer punk kind of band. And I ended up getting their Swim EP, which I think was one of the last releases as Emily's Army. And, yeah, for whatever reason, I... Just stop listening to it. It wasn't anything personal. Like I said, I enjoyed the Swimmy P. I've got a couple of songs from the album Lost at 17. But yeah, I just sort of like mosed on past. Didn't really, I didn't even notice they released Drive North. And then I saw uh, they released this, they had this new album coming out. And there was a bit of buzz behind it as well. What was this? Uh, something huge. April in Houston was there one of the lead singles from it, and everyone was going a bit nuts over about that. And I don't know how, but I remember hearing a song, the title song "Berkeley's on Fire," and I got properly hooked from there. So I figured I would like give the whole album a go, and I'm really, really glad I did because this thing is re- again really, really fun album. Uh, the first thing that strikes me is it's a lot different musically than their. Emily's Army Days, which makes sense. Swim came out in 2014. I think I saw them. Oh, must be about 2015. Uh, Swim is like very, very pop punk. And to try and like gauge whether or not this was just an Emily's Army into Swimmer's thing, or if it was just like a new sound of going for Breakfast on Fire, I had a look at Drive North, which came out 2016. And Drive North is still fairly heavy on like the surfer punk um indie punk kind of thing it's still definitely pop punk which is like lots of things going on as well i feel like berkeley's on fire is two completely separate eps just kind of like smashed together and they do like do it in this like really interesting way so it, you've got the more punkier side of things that are usually fronted by max and then you've got this like more dreamier indie pop kind of stuff that's more fronted by Cole and it's such a clever trade-off for the album usually you get like in songs you trade off between like a little bit it's weird to say harsh she doesn't scream it's just got like a gravelly voice I guess um but bounce between them throughout the songs and then you can sort of tell where like one part were better than another part or where you think those vocalists should really situate themselves but on here, the fact they've got a lead singer doing leads for a song at a time, and it utilizes the talents of the vocalist, it's a very smart move, and it shows how 
very aware of their own respective talents are and how they can perform musically. And yeah, I just thought it was, it's something that I can't really think of a time where I've heard it previously. And yeah, I just thought, I'm going to just stop saying a thought because I've run out of thoughts. Uh, the title track opens the, opens the album and it's got a really, really ear-catching riff. Um, I always I kept thinking the vocalists were sort of like dream pop. Not, not dream pop, fucking Brit pop. And their delivery and their sort of attitude. And I've had a look at like pictures of them and music videos and interviews and that sort of thing. And the way they're like a style, I guess, which is a really weird thing to sort of bring into the music. But the style does seem to have that like 90s worship aesthetic and obviously Brit pop huge in the 90s strangely enough um and it, that opening song the way it's sort of like clashing punk rock with max at the helm that gives you the taste of like one half of this album and then it goes into too much coffee which is the other side of the album's coin it's more eclectic there's lots more melodies in there and it teases an electronic element to the album's sound and it's weird. I've described it as an organic electric. And you can kind of hear it in the drums to Lose, Lose, Lose as well, track four. And I'll describe it as that as any time you get a point where there feels like, where it sounds like this electric layer to the album, it feels like it's coming straight from the guys in the band. It's not coming from a keyboard or synthesizer. And bearing in mind, I'm aware that I believe it's Cole that does do keyboards for the album but it doesn't really feel like he does it just feels like it's coming all from the four guys in the band and just like various effects and trickery and wizardry to make it sound like it it feels like if you put all four of them in front of you and said recreate the song they could do it with the instruments in the hand they wouldn't have to like put a sampler on we wouldn't have to like load a computer they could just put some pedals in put plug some amps in and then that's it they are away they can make that kind of music again the only time i think it deviates out of that sensation is on the closer steve got robbed which is it feels very dance punk to me like a really mellow version of mind and self-indulgence but i'll talk more about steve got robbed in a bit because i fucking love that song uh, regardless of all the genres and styles blend to this album, I do believe it is, at its core, still very punk rock. It's very DIY with these clashes of and mixes of genres. Um, I've read a few other reviews where they also pick up on that evolving sound, that more progressive, mature sound, despite the fact they are still all very, very young. Um, you've got all the classic punk lyrical tropes in there. They are very... Overall, the album lyrically is very cynical. It touches on relationships in Trashback Baby, emotions and depression in April and Houston, politics in the title track and Losers Lose, and it's got the nonsense track, which I've called it, which is Bad Allergies. I may very well be missing the bigger picture on allergy, Bad Allergies, but it's from the lyrics that I've read, it's just, I get the sniffles a lot, are you cool with that? I know punk rock does have that reputation of somehow, sometimes not taking itself seriously, and it's if it's that, I'm alright with it. 
But at the same time, if I've missed some bigger picture, where this is a, a song about loss or something, then Toss Bros. Um, the musical tropes are more in keeping with pop punk. Uh, Hellboy is that manageable punk song, which is what pop punk should be. Pop punk should be punk rock played to be. There's lots of P's in the sentence. Pop punk should be punk rock played to be on the radio or the TV or whatever. It should be. I don't want to use the word commercial, but it should. It should be that. It should be commercially and mainstream accessible. That's the whole point of punk uh, pop punk. Not this fucking all time low bollocks. The lyric hooks are there as well, and they get stuck on your head. Uh, the big ones are Berkeley's on fire, the title track, and Steve's got ro- Steve got robbed. My God, that song! The f- favorite part of the entire album is the latter part of the chorus, and the matter, like, but the the lyric is out at a show at San Francisco. Steve got robbed. It was a San Francisco shit show. Steve got robbed walking home from West Oakland Bart Station with a pistol. And it's just, it's not overtly clear. It's not like clutch levels of like weird words rhyming together or huge metaphors or long multi-syllable words. It's like, as core, it's quite simple, but my fucking good is it good? My fucking God, is it good? That's what I'm trying to say. I think it's just fucking, I love that lyric. The out of the show, San Francisco, Secret Rob, it was a San Fran shit show. It's so dumb, but yet so clever. I fucking adore it. Um, yeah, I feel the fact that all the li- reviews I've read have not, like, they make very sparring references to who Joey's dad is. And I think that's a testament to how good swimmers have got. The fact that they've got this huge, like, every time you looked at um, a review for Rise to Remain, like, it's fronted by Austin. Austin Dickinson, like the son of Bruce Dickinson, my maiden, and every review said that. Every review said, um, like Bruce's son's band, this, or son of Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden frontman has own band, does this. Whereas, oh fuck, no, everyone's talking about how this is swimmers. This is four guys. It's fronted by Max and Cole. You've got Joey and Travis in there as well. They just don't, like, they've done so well to separate themselves from not the, I don't, not the weight of expectation. Sorry, it's not Travis either. I thought I got that wrong. It's Seb. Apologies, Seb. Um, it's not so much the weight of having that famous person associated with the band, but it's just as... Any one of my reviews are terrible. Reviewers are very lazy and they just go for like the thing to attach to the thing. But I think if they continue like this, it won't be long until. Oh God, that's probably going to happen anyway. There's going to be a generation of people who will say, you'll see Billy Joe and it won't be Joey is the son of Billy. It will be Billy is the father of Joey. And well, that's that's kind of terrifying. For fans of, I've likened them to McCafferty. Which is, every time I go on their Facebook page, it's impossible to tell if they are breaking up, getting back together, if it's a one-man project, if it's a full band, 
whatever they are, they are really, really good. I can't remember what the album's called off the top of my head, but it came out a couple of years ago and it was really, 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 really good. So all the indie punk style stuff. Um, excuse me. Sort of compared to Pup as well, a Canadian, very, very good Canadian punk band. The very first band I ever saw live. Fun facts. And kind of the self-titled era Paramore. Like the old old stuff is too indie pop punk. The latest album after laughter is too new wavy. But that in the middle of the self-titled album, I think uh, Swimmer sits alongside there. So yeah, self-titled era Paramore, Pop, Macavity, anything like that. I reckon you should go for Berkeley's on Fire by Swimmers, their second and fourth at the same time album. Cool. Final album. Well. New album reviews out the way. We are now on to open mic night. And it is the incomparable. The reigning defending champion of emo. Sorry, pet panic. It is the Black Parade by Mike and Romance. Released in 2006. A golden year for literally nothing. Um, it was a third album from the New Jersey Natives. To say this defined a generation is such an understatement. Um, three Cheers, the album before, Three Cheers Sweet, Sweet Revenge. It was a hit in its own right. Um, and there is an argument for Black Parade versus Three Cheers, and it remains to this day. Um, based on when and how I grew up, I always thought Three Cheers was more of a sleeper hit that people only sort of started respecting now. I've come to learn I'm completely wrong. I just completely missed that album entirely. I was 12, leave me alone. Oh, fuck that. I was 10 when Three Cheers came out, so definitely leave me alone. If you were to look back now at old Facebook posts and pictures from back in the day and when you inevitably get to your email phrase, you tell me that the Black Parade had zero impact on any of the fashion choices you made in that period. Um, for me and those around me, everything changed when the Black Parade dropped. I've, I've made... I've built friendships... That came from a mutual thing of, oh, have you heard that new Nikem album? Yeah, it's fucking incredible. Um, we were a couple of years removed from American Idiot. That came out in 2004. And for the people I knew, we were all American Idiot fans. Because uh, Three Cheers came out that same year, 2004. But everyone I knew, it was all about Green Day. And it was all about American Idiot. Uh, American Idiot itself was this huge theatrical punk rock entity that no one could have predicted. Especially, especially on the back of Warning, which is kind of seen as a flop compared to other things Green Day has done. It's even more incredible when you consider Hybrid Theory came out, what's that, 2000? And so you've got these two generation-defining albums, one after another, and you think that's, that's it, there can literally be no more. And then you get a, an album like Black Parade come along. For people who were aware and conscious of Three Cheers, they may have seen the signs that something bigger was coming. And, like, you know, fair play to them. But the first time I saw the music video to Welcome to the Black Parade, I was completely awestruck. Like the outfits, the lyrics, the movie-style music video. You know, at the time, based on, like, where I was living and, like, my sisters and my mother and well, just my family in general 
at the time, my TV was just Rihanna and Shakira and Nelly Furtado, that, like, mid-2000 wave of, like, pop R&B that is just terrible, just awful. And so, to say the game got changed is just many other gaming analogies, which I thought about putting in there, but they're all shit. Just know the game is fucking different now. After this album, I would see fingerless gloves and checkered belts and huge fringes everywhere. In America, you've got Hot Topic. And I swear in the UK, Blue Banana just appeared out of nowhere from a collective energy of angst. Uh, kind of like how everyone powered up Goku's spirit bomb in Dragon Ball. The album opens with the end. And usually I hate intro tracks. Like I get why they are introducing the listener to the album but if your album's good enough then it should stand up alone and it doesn't need that introduction but whatever it was usually i hate them but for this the life support machine backed opener of black parade is one of the few exceptions i can think of because a it's flushed out long enough to just be like a short song and b and it was all down to the line i'd encourage your smiles i'll expect you won't cry yeah i'll try it again I'd encourage your smiles, I'll expect you won't cry. What a dark and cynical and just evil line that is. The encouragement of a celebration of life that funerals are advertised as, with the whiplash of no strong emotional attachment to the deceased or just being there purely out of obligation as opposed to you like cared for this person, had any sort of emotional attachment to this person. And then from the end, it goes into Dead, which is, it opens with a huge slash, yeah, slash style solo. And Ray Toro, the lead guitarist from My Chem, must go down a world of rocks, must overlook guitarist. He's got the, he loves playing tribute to his heroes. Like, you've got a Queen style solo on I'm Not Okay from the previous album. And in the opening to welcome to the black parade from this album he takes those classical inspirations sort of like modernizes them in the same vein well he works in the same vein as joe from fallout boy joe his playing helps separate because it was like riffs and actual guitar music it helps separate fallout boy from the rest of the pack in terms of like that emo driven pop punk and Ray does a similar thing here. He sort of separates from the more emo-tinged, post-hardcore, post-pop, pop-punk fucking thing. And he does... The way he plays the guitar and the way it does become guitar music, it does separate him from peers. Or separate Mike from peers, I should say. And like overall, enough has been said about the singles from Black Parade. I saw someone compare... Welcome to Black Parade, the song to it's like this generation's version of Bohemian Rhapsody, and I think that's fucking spot on. Uh, the music video to Famous Last Words has got some of my favourite tidbits of information, facts about in in all of music. The floats and the props used in the music video to Welcome to Black Parade, that's what's on fire in the background, and that fire caused second and third degree burns on the legs of drummer Bob Breyer, because he was playing so close to the fire. Briar also suffered blisters on his hands for just playing so hard for so long during that day of recording, or that day of filming, I should say. 
Gerard Way tore a bunch of muscles in his leg when he was kneeling down and rhythm guitarist Frankie Aero tackled him. Um, Ray Toro ended up breaking some of his fingers during the shoot. It's such a cursed music video shoot because they did it on the back of the music video, music video for the lead single. And just little bits like that, just... They put so much... Well, A, they put so much into their art, and B, they were just fucking idiots just messing around. And it's just like little bits like that, man. Little bits like that that makes me look so much more interesting than I actually am. But the rest of the album, any one of those songs could have been a single. Like, you've got a song like Mama, which is an eerie, intimate song. And my take for years, up until this morning, was... He's a... It's all about a soldier of war. Bear in mind, like, I know the overall story of Black Parade, but for this, for Mama, it was a story of war... A uh, soldier of war, sorry. Um, and a feeling of condemnation. He was, like, doomed in this battlefield. Whilst... Not only did he have to fight in this war, but via letters, he also had to fight this apparently quite abusive and neglectful mother. Um, but as I was researching the song, other people have pointed out that it's a struggle of gender identity, something that Gerard Way has also suffered with. Um, someone else said it's a continuation for the storyline built upon ghost of you and like there's so many different takes to this song but it's just such a powerful song in and of itself the way it opens with the artillery fire um musically the build-up to the final two-part breakdown of the song with the song's protagonist just snapping and then gang vocal of his squadron or his platoon or whatever just in unison as they like solidarity as they go into death or as they go into the final battle it's it was a song that sat with me for such a long time because it's just so full of raw emotion and just such raw power. And then on the complete other side of this all, you've got a song like Blood, which is the hidden track at the end of the album. And it's a it's a 90 second vaudeville ditty that happens like after 90 seconds itself of silence. And, you know, the gap between Famous Last Words, which is the second to last song, and this would mean that for anyone else, or for any other album, this song would have been missed. You've got that 90 second gap of silence. Most other people would either skip to the next song to have it start again, or just put a new CD on, or whatever. A testament to this album is that a few weeks ago, there was, like, a uh, emo-themed club night around here. And just before we went out, we were com like just discussing what songs we think would appear. And we got really excited when we um, both said, me and a friend of mine, said about this song, Blood. And as a testament to this album, it's, like I said earlier, it's coming up to 13 years old this year. As a testament, I sang, well, we both sang this word, this song, word for word. We both knew every single word from this song. In some horrifyingly out of tune duet. 13 years after a 90 second hidden track. That most people probably would have glossed over. If it was any of the album. That's how good this album is. Because it kept people in. Even in the like moments of absolute silence. People were still gripped to find out what would happen next. 
getting like a couple of years ago we praised creeper for being for eternity eternity in your arms we praise them for having this theatrics about them or theater about them and the drama behind the story that not only they were telling through the music but the story they were telling outside like how the band that went missing this like stranger character um the story of it being carried on from ep to ep into album the little um like pictures going on twitter and that sort of thing my chemical romance managed to do all of this all the story all the backstory all this joie de vivre if i'm using that term right they managed to do this in a time before things like facebook and twitter so they did it all just within the album the music video the imagery the iconography and they they were like the band to do it i know i've said about american idiot they are i i cannot pick between american idiot and this in terms of musically what i prefer and the story being told and how they told it but as much praise we give bands now with that extra thing of social media bands like green day and in this particular case bands like michael mccormick were able to do that just with themselves them as a band doing it and mcr always had a dream and a vision to be anti-establishment like everything i've heard from three cheers and that's where it started really um it's a three cheers it's like a 40 30 40 minute long album it's just like lightning in a bottle and just everything they always wanted to do i think one of the lyrics i've listened to a podcast the other day one of the lyrics does talk about being against the grain and like being their own unique personality and that expands into this the comparison i'll make is with gallows because everything goes back to gallows with me they made orchestra of wolves to be what they always wanted and then when they got picked up by a big label and they were given a lot more money they made the album they've always wanted to make with while still being incredibly raw and hardcore and i don't know i'm gonna have a quick look now to find out what label three cheers was so it's still on reprise Yeah, still on a price. So I imagine with the success of Three Cheers, they probably would have given them like, hey, I have a bit more money because you guys are just doing so well. To take that money and still have their values and still have their vision that has then just exploded into this huge rock opera. It's hard, it's hard to say that... Well, it is commercially more accessible than Three Cheers there's a lot more um, emo and there's a lot more punk punk in there a lot more alternative rock but MCO had that vision and with the more money they did the gals route or the pre-gals route in this case of doing exactly what they wanted just with more money which is what we'd all dream of just if we had the money we'd do what we want and yeah I feel like everything that could be said about this band and about this album in particular has been said but going back and listen to it again it is just so fucking good and we won't talk about danger days because that was just a bit sad if i'm honest um 
with them splitting up, they've always been told. I read something today that um, I can't remember his name properly. I think it's Kevin Lyman, who does Warp Tour. He tried to get them back to perform at the, the tour. I think it was this year, a year before last year. Um, and obviously, they've all they think haven't done it. They've rejected that that offer. And to see where they've all gone. Oh, Frank Hero's got his own solo project. Ray Toro I read this morning. Um, he's enjoying family life. He's got a few like side projects here and there. Gerard um, had that re- solo record, has an Aliens. And then he's recently written Umbrella Academy for... Well, he wrote the comic Umbrella Academy. It's then been made into a Netflix series. Um... Would I take my chem back? At this point, I think they are. When they had that, I still think they would have still have that vision of we want to do what we want because this is the sound we want to be known for. But as well as like we've grown up from this album, a lot of people have grown out of that emo phase and what have you. They've also kind of grown up as well. They're all like they've got families and like grown up um, grown adults now, and. I don't think, based on what Danger Days was, I'm not sure I'd want the album that they would make now, if that makes sense. I listened to a bit of Conventional Weapons, and it was very, very mediocre, in my opinion. From what I remember, it's been fucking years. But I would... I would take him as a live act, providing I could go and see it, or if they released a live album to go along with it. But I don't think I would take a studio album, a studio My Chemical Romance. I could be completely wrong, and they would make Welcome Back to the Black Parade, at which point I'll be fucking giddy and I'll start crying over everything. But I'm going to err on the side of cynicism and just have this as one of the best memories from my childhood. And on that slightly confusing note, we will end this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Next week, I'm going to try and tackle the Black Album from Weezer, because that's just a fucking mess. Um, And I think I'll have... I I will have... um, Well, hopefully I will have... um, Album mic... Open mic... Why can I talk? Of Seismic Consequence by Yakuza. They are like a avant-garde progressive metal band that I've listened to one song of theirs repeatedly for nearly 10 years now and I feel like it's about time I go and listen to the whole thing so at the very least Weezer and Yakuza coming next week some other things no doubt included as well and until next time if you want to get in touch feel free uh, Facebook YouTube Instagram I'm everywhere at Desolation Pod come give come holler at your boy and I'll see you very soon goodbye <laughs>